Hey, man. Bring it on in for some love. Well, you seem a little tense. Here, I got just the thing. Give this Nepalese aardvark to you, girl. I had a Sherpa grind it up and pack it in the foreskin of his uncircumcised camel. Yeah, man, this tea traveled all the way from the Himalayas. And it was blessed by Tibetan monks. Say, you have any saffron or juniper berry powder on you by chance? Uh, no worries. I think I have some left over my Navajo neck pouch. Dude, I know what you need. You ever tried tantric horse yoga? Literally changed my life. No, really, man. It's intense. Super good for your stancers and your vestibular system. Arch your back like this. Put your arms up in prancer pose. Tilt your head back. Take a deep breath in and exhale with maximal force like so. Hey, where are you going? When you're done trying out the latest health and wellness fads, just know we're here for you. MapsFitnessProducts.com Fitness products that work. If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. Inside this episode of the Mind Pump. Oh, I like that's a new one. It's inside. inside. Uh, for the first 37 minutes, we hey, do our introductory inside. conversation. We start out by talking about Jessica's root canal pain. Oh, my poor girl. Uh, and Ease came to the rescue. Now, Hell Ease yeah. is a cannabis delivery company available only in California. Sorry, everyone else. Uh, but we have a discount code. So if you go to ease.co forward slash mind pump and you use the code mind pump, you will get 20% off and- No, $20 off. Sorry, $20 off and, thank you, Adam, free delivery with your first order. Again, it's available only in California. Then we talk about a new artificial sweetener study. They studied six artificial sweeteners and guess what, guys? What's that? They're all bad for you. Uh-oh. That's nah, impossible. Then we talked about Thrive Market and their new offer. Here's the offer. If you go to thrivemarket.com forward slash mind pump, you're going to get 25% off your first order and free shipping on orders of $49 or more. We are hooking you up. Then we talk about California's brand new law for publicly traded companies. Is California going full Socialism? Whoa. <laughs> to say Wait else. for it. There you go. Uh, then we talked about exercise and cognitive function. New study came out showing it improved the cognitive capacity of elderly women by 19%. That's a huge boost. Go the, work out. Then we talked about the be- beginning this week, taking new review winners from both iTunes and Mind Pump's public Facebook page. So check it out. If you want to leave us a review, you can do it on iTunes or you can go to our public Facebook page. Of course, at the end of every week, we pick the Ooh. reviews that we like the most. They have to be five-star. And we give out free cool stuff like T-shirts uh, to the winners. Yeah. Um, then we get into the questions. The first question was, which angle is best for flies and presses to help build the muscles that perk up the boobs? 
Uh, I think Adam mentioned Brain FM at that part for some reason. Uh, I see it listed up there. Did I talk about Brain FM? And that's Brain like, FM for boob lift? I don't know. We mentioned it somewhere. No, it was before the yeah, questions. We were talking about the the different uh, uh, modalities for improving uh, uh, car- yeah. Oh, yeah. Cognitive, yeah. Functions. cognitive functions. Very good, sir. Yeah. Thank you yeah. very much. Brain, Brain FM. Brain training. Brain FM, you put it in your ears, improve your focus, uh, helps you meditate, can help you sleep. If you go to brain.fm forward slash mind pump, you will get 20% off. The next question was, uh, do we have a stretching routine? And if so, when do we incorporate it into our workout routine? Uh, quick answer, no, we don't really do stretching, but we do do priming. Let's change the word stretching. Of course, uh, MAPS Prime, one of our most popular programs. If you go to mindpumpmedia.com, you can enroll in the MAPS Prime program. The next question was, uh, if we were invited to go on Joe Rogan's podcast to debate how to properly work out, who would we want to go up against? Who's someone that we want to debate? We talk about the people hmm. who we'd like to argue with in that part of this episode. Sal called out everybody. Everybody. Bring yeah. it. And finally, the you last question. fanatic. Uh, what moment did each of us say we made it? Or has that moment not even happened yet? A uh, little bit of a twist in that question, in that part of this episode. And also, we're giving you what you want. Yep. You've been asking for this forever. <laughs> Maps aesthetic, the bodybuilder uh, inspired maps program, fifty percent off. What? Wow. Half off. Wow. Okay. Just we love just you. for you guys. It, yeah, I remember when we first launched that program, people went crazy for it. Yeah. Uh, so if you go to mapsblack.com and use the clo- the code black fifty, that's B L A C K and the number fifty, you will get fifty percent off all month long in October. If you're interested in any of our other MAPS programs or bundles, uh, go to mapsfitnessproducts.com. Otherwise, MAPS Aesthetic, 50% off, mapslack.com, black 50, half off all month long. It's a big deal. Do it. Oh, that's Star Wars. That's easy. That's Star Wars? Yeah, that's the fucking- It's a cantina scene, man. Makes me sick sometimes. Bitch. I got disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) Made me sick. Just made me sick. Dude, yesterday- uh, Expect better. Yesterday, poor Jessica, she had to get a root canal. Yeah. So they, you know, those are never fun. She's just having a fun month, man. Fun month for her. We might as well get it all out of the way at once, right? My poor baby. So anyway, she had a root canal where, I've never had a root canal or anything like that. I've never actually had a cavity. But they drill in oh, your. Have so you guys ever cool. had a root canal? No, yeah. no, you, you haven't? haven't. Oh, not a root canal. No. Okay. So no, they got my wisdom teeth removed. I was going to say, what other kind of canal did you get? Yeah. <laughs> a different canal. Yeah. <laughs> they went through a different. Uh, yeah. Way. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he puts the anal in canal. Hey. So anyway, she they drill a hole all the way up through to the root and just drill that fucker out. So yeah. it kind of sucks, right? So she did that and. On the way home, her 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 numbing medication is wearing off. Which, by the way. You're, I love seeing people after their faces are all like, looks like they had a stroke, you know, from the. <laughs> so she comes home and she's trying not to. I'm trying to make her laugh because I think it's hilarious. So they drill a big hole in there, lots of pain. Yeah. And uh, she took a acetaminophen for it, which is Tylenol. Still hurting real bad. So she's like, dude, get me some edibles right now. I need some edibles right now. By wow. default, do you go to the, the, the medical term of a drug instead of using Tylenol? Is that default for you? Because default mm. for me is Tylenol. I wouldn't yeah. think or Advil. Yeah, you asshole. Yeah, ibuprofen. Yeah, 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 Tylenol is different than Advil. You know why? Is that just practicing being a nerd your whole life? Yeah. So that comes like natural. Ibuprofen or acetaminophen. <laughs> well, it's like you know what it is. It's okay. So when you when you call like tissue paper, some people call it Kleenex. Right, right. Because the brand 
Totally. The most popular yeah, brand yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, takes over. Like yeah, inline like, skates, like rollerblades. Vicodin, you know, it's yeah, not it's yeah. hydrocodone, right? Yeah, right? So I right, get right, it. Right, right. But that's so, what my point is like is why do I do that? Yeah. Because I don't buy Tylenol. I buy acetaminophen. Because if oh, you yeah. get the generic brand, it's cheaper. It's cheaper. Yeah. So I don't I don't go to the <laughs> store buy Tylenol. Of course. That's all. It has nothing to do with being nerdy. Uh, <laughs> Everything to do with being cheap. So I don't know which is worse. Good, yeah, I know. Good excuse. I so I, I it's not that it's worse or better, just be honest. Yeah. So she's like, I need an edible right now. So I'm like, oh, I can't. I got the kids here. We're, you know, and to drive the nearest good dispensary is going to take me forever. Ease to the rescue. Oh, boy. Yeah. Making it easy. Yeah, I ordered um, gummies from Ease. They were uh, 10 milligrams of CBD and 5 milligrams of THC each because mm. that is probably the best combination for pain. A right. little like, like a two-to-one ratio. CBD to THC, so she ate the edible uh, in combination with the acetaminophen and do you uh, think that, felt a lot better. Do you think that like gummies and chocolates and all that is you know going to be a thing still in the future, and it's, it's not just going to turn into pills? You know how like the progression yeah. of you know farm ph- you know pharmacy getting involved, like uh, they're going to turn it more into pills. So oh, it's, like, I, I think they're going to get attacked for sure. I mean, right? What, what other? It's, it's kind of silly. Like, yeah, I mean, some gummies to yeah. help my. What other? What other drug is comes in like? child candy forms you know yeah like you know oh you know fruity flavor you know cereal candy yeah. they have that too by the way <laughs> right no but however it did come it, they're, they're totally taking it to the next level though because i think that they're foreseeing that legalization widespread national legalization is coming yeah and when that happens you know uh you know legislators and bureaucrats are going to try to regulate the shit out of it mm-hmm. uh which i think is a bad idea because it'll just strengthen the black market but anyway one of the first things that they're going to go after are edibles, and so when you get these these things now, these edibles they come in these childproof, boxes. very oh, yeah. unique yeah. childproof. It's uh, very containers. smart. Some of the companies like Kiva have really done a good job with that, right? They, they made a childproof box. It's a chocolate bar. It's funny too because Adam couldn't figure it out. He almost ripped the whole thing <laughs> in half. He turned into a champ just Dude, trying to open it's it. Like, it, well, here's the thing too. I mean, we're familiar with like the standard pill bottle, uh, you know, yeah, push down, child, yeah, child support things or child, uh, uh, what proof. is it? Yeah, child proof uh, mechanisms, right? Whatever the fucking word I'm looking for for that. <laughs> Gizmos. Oh, what do you call it? It's a mechanism. <laughs> Doodads. That, that works. Yeah, yeah that works. it works, right? Thingabobbers. Yeah, thingabobbers is where I was going. Go thingabobbers. I like thingabobbers. But, you know, we're used to that. You've seen it forever. But these this cardboard box, it's like a, you stick your two fingers in one side you pull the other way the opposite direction and then it like it's super confusing yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah. It, but it's I had smart. To google that shit just yeah, to get, get instructions <laughs> well bro it's smart though because think about it like this is why i have a lot yeah, no kid is getting in that in fact 50 no. percent of the adults are in the same boat yeah, yeah, i'm yeah. trying to google it well i i think you know i have a lock box if, if i if i do store edibles at all i have a box a, a box with a with a, a combination lock on it. In fact, my friend calls it a stripper box. Apparently, strippers oh. travel with those when they do. Yeah, they, they have a lock box. Anyway, so it's in there because I can only imagine leaving out a chocolate edible. Right. My eight-year-old daughter for oh. sure is not going to say anything. She's just going to eat it. Yeah. She's going to be like, hey. Ooh, it's a chocolate ball. They just think candy. Yeah, she's right going to be like, hey, yeah. Dad, can I have some? She's going to be like, eat it, and then afterward, pretend, yeah. hopefully he won't find out. Why is my daughter sleeping? Yeah. <laughs> hey, wake up. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, so I think that they're they're really trying to foresee what's happening and set themselves up in a way that 
um, you know, we'll, we'll keep them safe. Oh, it's very smart. The yeah. one knock I have on them right now is they're not everywhere because I get DMs almost every day oh, right ease? now. Yes. They yeah. have to be careful. So I drive I drive them back over to the ease people and say, DM them or email them. You just got to live in a cooler state. I California. Think, you know yeah, I mean? feel like I've. I feel like yeah. if they're if well they're not they're not they're not every, in Colorado, no, uh, I yeah. don't think so. They will be. Yeah, yeah, I don't think so. I know. I think it's just California, but I wonder why they wouldn't do separate divisions or something in different states. You know? What do you yeah. Mean? Like like they have an ease in California, then they'll right. open an like ease plant in Colorado. A new company basically in a sense. There's in Colorado. there's something about why that doesn't happen. For example, Kiva, which makes I think the most the best mass produced mainstream you could tell this thing i mean it looks like you would buy it uh, you know at a, at a local grocery store how well it's produced mm-hmm. i don't think kiva bars and stuff exist in like colorado and i didn't see them in washington yeah when we were up there and i think maybe certain states have different laws like if, if it's, it has to be headquartered and produced and grown here for it to come out of here and it's yes. probably a really complex process yeah, yeah. it's probably just too expensive for yeah, them to like, even worry about exactly. it exactly you know so anyway i'm sure when it goes full wreck they'll be uh, i yeah. mean they're they're poised to be the major delivery service for all mar- med- medical marijuana or recreational well oh, so it'll be the marijuana. uber for sure well that was just going to say here's why i think companies like ease will explode it's not necessarily because People want weed delivered to the door, no, although that's part of it. It's the work. It's the people. It's a job. Another job like Uber. Well, no, I, yes, I know that. But here's why I think it's going to spread so much. It's and again, I don't think it's because people just want you know someone to drive to the door and deliver weed. Although that's part of it. I think a big part of it is what's happening with these a lot of these states with the legalization, is they regulate these dispensaries so much that they're not all over the place. So to get to the nearest dispensary. Yeah, you know, it takes you 20 minutes or whatever. And so what these delivery companies do is they've created a market for delivery companies. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. To where if you live in a certain part of California where some cities don't even have dispensaries because they make the regulations so silly that if you live in a city where you don't have one, but the next city does, maybe you could have someone come and deliver it to you. Right. And so I think that's why there's a market, you know, there's going to be a market for something like that. And I think it'll it'll blow up. Well, you know, maybe right. maybe we'll have self-driving ease cars at some point. Right. Which would be kind of weird, right? <laughs> you get that and like... DoorDash combo, you know, you'll mm. be like, uh, you know, like, the, oh how, God, order your. Can you imagine? That'd be so awesome. <laughs> your guy rolls up with your two pizzas uh, and your uh, eighth weed in my pre rolls. <laughs> Thanks, pal. Oh, the future looks great. Uh, it's, the yeah, future it's looks beautiful. Good. Fu- it's a beautiful landscape, dude. Did you see? There's a so a new study that was done by. By the way, I'm not surprised by the study, but whatever. Um, this was done by. Let's see. Let me read who did this. They studied. Six artificial sweeteners, including aspartame and sucralose. Okay, so they tested all of them. Researchers from Israel and Singapore said that their findings offer further evidence that artificial sweeteners can damage health. So what they found was, including aspartame, uh, so they did aspartame, sucralose, saccharin, uh, neotame, uh, advotame, and uh, acesulfame potassium K, they found that all of them damaged uh, gut bacteria that caused issues with the gut bacteria and killed good bacteria. And that they that toxins are released when gut bacteria are exposed to artificial sweeteners in the lab. At what levels, though? Uh, good question. We don't know. But here's the deal. Who cares? You know why? Uh, well, you're right. You should care about that. But um, Yeah, because if you have to do three pounds of it in order mm-hmm, to elicit that, that's kind of whatever yeah that's a good question i'll look deeper into that however 
Sorry, I didn't mean to challenge no, you. No, 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 that's good. That's a good thing that you said that. So it's a, it's, it's a good thing to know. However, I, part of it is the length of time that people consume these things. You know right, what I mean? Right. So because they consume well, we all daily agree, for We years. all agree that no matter what. I mean, I think if we're starting to see stuff point in this direction that you should caution how right. much you're consuming this because regardless of what the previous studies that I know people tout mm -hmm. that are pro-artificial sweeteners – you know, they use the oh, it, you know, it's totally safe as long as you're doing less than yeah. thirty. It's obviously 30, not harm free. Yeah, thirty diet sodas a, la or a day. That's the only way it'd be harmful. It's like, well, you may not do thirty a day, but who's mm -hmm. to say if you do three a day for five years straight, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. You know, so and it's hard to study. It's hard to study. Yeah. Right, such right. long. Yeah, things. I get it. And they're yeah. proving that it does affect your your microbiota. So that's there, that's something to be concerned about. There's that. There's also that, like sucralose, for example, they found uh, was being stored in fat in, in people. They, they, you know, sucralose, they used to say, oh, no, it just goes through your body. They're finding that metabolites are being stored in fat. Oh, right. There's studies associating artificial sweeteners with dementia, uh, Alzheimer's, uh, the, no, no hard, super hard connections. But when you add up this wide amount of data, um, you, you kind of got to shrug your shoulders a little bit and go, okay, well, maybe... Maybe we should probably not consume this all the time because I know people in our space uh, in fitness. Probably, I would have to say, hardcore fitness fanatics probably consume more artificial sweeteners than anybody. I would yeah. guess, right? Because protein powders, yeah, I would think pre-workout, so. right. post-workout bars, and a lot of times they're in like lower calorie options, so mm -hmm. that's where they gravitate mm -hmm. towards. Well, I think that's the reason why we talk about it because I think if you're just the the average person who has the occasional diet soda or you use a you know sweetener in your coffee every now and then i think it's you're you're at less risk than this like you said the trainer like us i mean mm -hmm. that, there was doubt there was no doubt in my mind on any given day in the first 10 years of my career mm -hmm. could have been filled with two protein bars a protein shake two energy type of mm -hmm. drinks like i mean that was a a staple day for me in fact it would be less likely that I wouldn't have all of that yeah. in a single day and sometimes a little more, you know? So, well, and two, I think that, uh, what's uh, because of the information that like the general public is getting now about the dangers of, of sugar, you know, specifically, I feel like a lot of products, you know, have emerged as far as like the, the main labels are no sugar. Right. And so like somebody, just your average person would go to gravitate towards like an energy drink that says no sugar and it's all like artificial well, dude, sugars. There, there, there's some government agencies that are advocating for uh, sugar free, uh, you know, artificially sweetened like strawberry milk in schools because they're like, oh, we need, you know, better health food. Right. Let's give them milk. Like and they think that's, yeah, a healthier option. Yeah. Like, oh, we're going to give them just sugar-free strawberry flavored, you know, milk and that's going to be, you know, that's going to be better for them. So, you know, and the thing is, uh, I think you're right, Justin, but I also think that the market for non-artificially sweetened products has exploded. That's one of the reasons why we see the explosion of companies like, uh, you know, like Whole Foods and then of course uh, Thrive Market who mm -hmm. delivers you know, they're the largest retailer of non-GMO you know, organic products online. Speaking of Thrive Market, oh, Doug, yeah. didn't they change their offer recently? What's their What's their new offer that they're doing right now? Sorry to get you distracted from what you're doing right there. But what? Not a problem. 25% uh, off your first order. Okay, oh, that's so, a big and one. And there's yeah. free shipping 
on any order over forty nine dollars. Oh, okay. Oh, good. Got it. So good. it used to so be. So that, that's for us. That's for our people. Yeah, yeah. There used to Sweet. be a dollar. Now they're doing us just a straight percentage of what you, which is cool because if you're actually buying a, like a decent amount of groceries, that'll end up being more money for yeah, you. Yeah, twenty a hundred dollars save twenty five bucks. Yeah, yeah. So I know that, math. Yeah. <laughs> good job. Yeah, Boom. that was Dude, good. You know what I was bummed about was uh, we just had Warren Farrell in in, in the studio. Awesome. Awesome. Oh, oh great, was fantastic. Yeah, what a call, Sal, on having him come down here. The guy was just a brilliant, brilliant man. And the way he articulates his points, it's just how could anybody argue with it? Yeah. I just I don't I don't know how anybody could argue with the man or protest. I don't know, like, but they obviously are. Right. I know. There's people that are <laughs> protesting. But I was bummed that he comes and then literally that the article that you sent over to us comes out the very next day. And I'm like, that would have been a great topic. Which article was it? That was the one on uh, California making it mandatory for... Uh, oh, my God. What the fuck? Uh, can you fuck? believe that? What the fuck? Oh, Cali- to have female representation. California is just... CEO boards. It's, it's, ser- it's seriously like losing their mind. So the law states that uh, publicly traded corporations of a particular size or whatever, I think must have at least one woman on their board of directors. Mm. And it's it's entirely based on sex. Yeah. So you have to have a female on the board, which I think is extremely condescending to women. Extremely Dude, condescending. Bro, it is it's so fucked up and I had it's so weird that you sent that to me. I sent did you see the text I sent back to no. you that I was sitting down with my niece who's twenty seven and she had her two friends that are same age and they're from New York. They work for Facebook. And it was a really tough conversation for me to sit there and just kind of bite my tongue. Like, it was the first time I'm meeting them. And uh, and it was the first time that I had met uh, three. There's three of these women, all very uh, independent, powerful women. Like sure. very intelligent. All of them have their bachelor's or master's. Sure. Um, can articulate their points really well. And listening to them talk about their work environment and counting uh how many asian people or black people or latino people are working on a group or a team and oh we need more of this or we need more of that like that like that's, not realizing that they're literally becoming the exact thing that they think that they're right fighting right mm-hmm. and i'm just i'm sitting back listening to them uh go back and forth and talk about their team and their staff and how so-and-so only likes white males and so-and-so says this about and I'm like all this victimhood and this pointing the finger shit going on. I'm like, and I'm, but at the same time too, really smart. Not a bunch of ignorant dumb girls that are just that are just touting a bunch of bullshit. Like you could tell that they're smart, but the the information that they're being fed is like so bad. And you know, I wanted to say something. I didn't say. All I did say was, you know, we. We talked about this today on the podcast. I said, yeah. you guys should check the podcast episode yeah. that goes up tomorrow. Yeah. What people need to realize is that the most, look, America has been a capitalist society for a long time. The most important or, or valued color in this country, and, and it's genderless too, is green. Yeah, it's okay? money. Yeah. If you fucking perform, you are an advantage. And if a company decides not to have you because you're a, a woman or whatever, Another company will, and they'll be in an advantage. And it's been, we've had this long enough to see this play out. And statistically speaking, when, you know, and in, in, uh, Dr. Warren Farrell even, you know, went over some of these statistics, when women with an MBA start their own business, the reason why they start their own business or the reasons are very different from the reasons why a male MBA starts their own business. So a male MBA starts his own business typically because he wants to make more money. A female MBA will start her own business because she wants more flexibility 
with their work hours and wants to be able to, you know, uh, you know, do other things besides just work. As a result of that, the female MBAs earn about 49% less than the male MBAs, but it makes sense. Obviously, that's not what they're valuing as their number one value. Right. So what you end up having with the, with these, you know, these these people on the board, first off, if you're on the board of a of a publicly traded uh, company, the odds are you're probably working 70 hours a week. You're probably traveling a lot. It's, uh, it is the top number one priority of your life. Ask anybody who's in that kind of a position how hard it is for them to be with their kids and their family, how, you know, what their number one goal is and priority. And it's really just ambition and drive to perform at work and make money, which statistically, this is a fact, men place more value on than women do. And it doesn't mean one is better than the other. It just means that we're different. So the pool of women who would be in that position is just smaller. That's why there's less representation, not because a bunch of people are sexist yeah. uh, or, or whatever. And, and sexism plays such a small role that we can't even, when we control for all these factors, the difference between men and women and earning all that stuff, and economists will say this all day long, is negligible. So... To make a law that says you have to have so a woman on board so stupid is is condescending both to women mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know for 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 the for the companies like what a strange position to look at all your applicants and be like okay yeah how we ma- have to pick a woman how mad are you when you're you're about to fill up a, as a CEO of a company you're about to fill a position on the board that is extremely crucial because somebody's moved on or whatever and you have all men, you just happen to have all men, you don't have one woman yet and you've got three candidates, two of them being men, one of them being woman and the the woman, the one that's a woman is just not as good. Maybe she's not as experienced, maybe she's not as talented, maybe she's not as proven, whatever that may be and because of this law now, you have to hire her instead of the other two candidates that may perform for your company better and that, you know, it's it's funny that we're talking this way about women. I would say the same thing with men. I think it'd be mm-hmm. stupid for a, a, someone to put a law that one man needs to be in there yeah. and then or if, like I, if I, because the exact opposite situation can happen. What if I had to have a man on my board and in this case, I have all women on my board and I've got to hire one more person. I've got three candidates and the two guys are better than the the girl and I've got or I mean the two girls are better than the guy and I've got to hire the girl or hire the guy but I wish I could get the girl it doesn't make sense it just points to that that whole argument for equal outcome like and how flawed that that philosophy is and uh, you know it's it is it's condescending it's patronizing it's uh you know women are definitely uh you know a powerful force and and you know can be in the workforce and can definitely represent at the ceo level and, and are there's plenty of them out there to you know admire but to force that and to ha- just have them sit in and as a representation of it without like going through the same exact well, process everybody else it's a clearly crazy. sexist law clearly yeah. like, it is I, sexist now a sexist law is one that lists gender in the legislation in other words you must hire a female you must do this with a male you must do this with a female which is illegal okay so i don't even know how they're going to uphold that i can pretty much guarantee you it's going to get challenged uh because of that so it's absolutely silly imagine if you're the guy who is qualified for the job but because of this law now you don't get it it goes to a woman also, imagine if you're that woman. Could you imagine if you're the one woman on a board? Right. The one. Imagine if you're one woman on a board of, of male directors, and you know deep down inside, like, well, this. I know why I'm. Am I here because I'm good, or am right. I here because right. they have to put me here? 
it's silly. It's absolutely silly, and it's scary that we uh, that we 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 try to we we create things that don't exist, and then we try to or issues that potentially don't exist, and then we try to create solutions. Which well, and no I problem. think I think the intents the intentions are pure. The, the, the way they start, it's right? The unintended consequences I, to these types, of right? Things. I think, and we kind of talked about this with Warren, right? I think the intentions are are right. Like I think they're they're looking at these companies that, you know, maybe intentionally don't hire any women, and maybe there there was actually great candidates that were women that should have been put in there, and because of that, this is one step in the direction mm-hmm. to keep these companies from being sexist well, and doing I, this. I, I just but, but here's the thing too, though, like, and I know that argument, and I've heard that a lot. Uh, you know, like it, it, we want more representation, we want more of a female voice, want, but who's to say that there aren't men that are voicing these concerns? You know, for women, and and that there are like men that think out there is, is in terms of like you know challenging ideas and all that that may you know present the same exact you know our argument i do not think it comes from a pure place at all i think nope not at all i think it comes from i think politicians do it uh because it's virtue signaling and uh it's a great way to to for your voting block to feel victimized and for you to look like the hero so that's number one i also think that if you look at everything through the lens of men are oppressors and women are oppressed men are strong and women are weak then it sounds like a good idea. Oh, women are so weak. We need a law yeah. to help them. If you think women are weak, then yeah, it does make sense. If you think women are strong, then it makes no fucking sense. I wouldn't look at a, I wouldn't look at women and say, oh, we need to pass laws specifically that say women need these special things because they just can't compete with us. You know what I mean? And I feel bad for them. I don't think it's pure at all. I think it comes from a mm. terrible place. Mm. And I think people are easily manipulated into feeling like victims. And I think when you feel like a victim... Uh, you will do what people who purport to, purport to help you tell you to do. It's an old fucking game, and it's silly that we're that we're still doing it, and it's it's sad that we're doing it, and yeah. I, it's it's terrible. And I think California is putting we're putting ourselves in a position where we're going to look. California is a, a, a monster economically, but we've been bleeding residents for a while now because of some of these insane policies that you know people are, are starting to leave. They're leaving in droves, and it's not it's not a good thing. Does that mean we're gonna to have to have one woman on our board? Yeah, is that is that how does that mean? I uh, if we're publicly traded, that's what I mean. If we were yeah. to, if, if we, we were, were to, publicly yeah, if traded. we were to go public at one point, mm-hmm. that means we would have to. What huh? if one of us identifies as a woman? Does that Ooh, count? Ooh, good, that's a great, good, excellent that's a, point. That's a good angle. Yeah. We should row Shambeau yeah. for who asks them to do that. Uh, I mean, you are probably more we'll likely to get the sex change. Who Justin? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Only because he'd be hot. Yeah, that's what I mean. He okay. so. <laughs> If this goes if this goes this direction, I mean, if you guys think so, and we don't find a suitable woman to be on our board, then you're going to have to uh, identify as something different. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Gonna help us we'll out. see how that works, dude. So um, another cool study that was just published. Um, the title of it was "The Effects of Strength Training on Cognitive Performance in Elderly Women." Ooh, so nice. they actually they actually tested cognitive uh, changes in the elderly uh, in these elderly women as a result of strength training. Now I've observed personally um, improvements in cognitive performance in my elderly clients, and I've also noticed the slowdown and decline of uh, cognitive performance in my elderly clients who had things like dementia. Because I've had uh, you know clients who had dementia, I would do strength training with them, and their their decline was very very slow. And then when they stopped weight training, the decline just accelerated. They found a 19 percent increase in cognitive capacity through their tests. Now, there's a 58% increase in upper body strength, 68% increase in lower body strength, but then a 19% increase in cognitive capacity. That's actually a lot. 
That's a that's a decent amount for a short study. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Now here's the argument I'm going to make. Hmm. Do you think? Because I, I think I can argue this pretty well. Do you think compared to other forms of exercise, resistance training is superior for cognitive performance or the same? In other words, if these older if these older women just did walking and running or yoga mm. or whatever, do you think I it think, would notice the same? Well, you could argue that it presents more variables, uh, you know, with resistance training and, and you know, weight-bearing exercises. So more novelty? More novelty, more neural pathways, and um, just – I. You know, as far as like building strength is concerned, like I know that there's more energy and resources in that direction. So, yeah, that's a. That's I would a, agree. That would be my. That would be my my hypothesis. You could try and argue it the other way of doing like um, a lot of stability type stuff. I mean, just because you're having to balance and what that like would reactive type of yeah, neural work. Yeah, yeah. you could. You yeah. could. I could see arguing that. I think it know? would so, get the brain to fire, but yeah, I think there's still a little bit more uh, variables and substance with uh, resistance training. Yeah. When it, so I agree with Justin for the for the like you said the novel the fact that you're with resistance training is far more complex in terms of movements and and balance and <clears throat> angles and uh, mo you know it's very modifiable. Right. You know, if you walk, you're just walking over and over again. And anytime you do a new movement and you perfect that new movement, there are new neural pathways that develop as a result, which is good for the brain, right? It's good for the brain to do that. But the other thing too is uh, one of the, the strongest contributors to cognitive decline is the the brain's inability or, or the declining ability to utilize glucose. It's like, uh, you know, they mm. call Alzheimer's and dementia mm -hmm. type three diabe uh, diabetes, right? And nothing... Improves the body's ability to sensitize to insulin and to utilize, you know, glucose or sugar more efficiently and effectively than having more muscle. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, if you right. have more muscle, your the 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 way your body will react to insulin improves dramatically, so you don't need more insulin, mm. and your body's ability to uptake and utilize glucose uh, is improved dramatically because muscle is one of the largest you know, uh, tissues in the body that does that. Yeah. So building muscle, I think, will have more of that indirect effect as well. I think well. that, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I also wonder, uh, you know, when you go through like more of a rigorous cardio routine, how you get, you know, carbohydrate and glycogen depleted uh, as a result. So uh, that in terms of like, because like the third, um, with Alzheimer's talking about that being like mm -hmm. the third. Um, type 3 diabetes. Type 3 diabetes, thank you. Um, you know, I just curious as to that being, you know, something that's valid, you know, in terms of like who, cognitive health. Who was it we were just talking to? Was it Brain FM that was telling us about what like a lot of the sports teams are doing right now, where a lot of these athletes are strength training, doing some sort of hand eye coordination and then like reading and solving math problems in oh, between? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Who was it Brain FM? Who was it that we were talking about? I don't remember. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Do you remember that conversation? Mm -hmm. I can't remember. I can't put my my finger on it. Well, Who I just know and and I know there's there's like Z Health. Uh, there's there's like certain modalities that are really popping up that are addressing uh cognitive training and cognitive function and improvement, you know, of brain health overall and I think that that's like the new wave it is of training that people are, need to really pay attention to. Well, I think we've I think we've evolved especially in sports over the last 20 years. So much in comparison to the previous 20 years. And I think we've got to that point that everybody knows that 
hard work and practice and consistency and and diet all are major key components to success as an athlete. I think more and more kids are piecing this together at a younger age and being consistent through Mm -hmm. life. And this is why we're getting these superstar athletes. And now the next wave, like you're saying, Justin, is to concentrate more on on the cognitive function and and actually increasing and improving that amongst the other four keys, really. So that's interesting to me. And I think if you can combine strength training with hand-eye coordination with some sort of math or reading skills all combined together, imagine that. I think your ability to uh, react and think without thinking is probably one of the most important things I can imagine Mm -hmm. in sports. And so practicing you know, uh, hand-eye coordination probably would improve that, I would assume, right? I would assume it improves your ability to to think quickly mm-hmm. and react uh, versus having to stop and pay attention and, and think about what you're about to do. Right, right. So it only makes sense. And because uh, the sporting world, the professional sport world is so competitive, obviously it's competitive. That's why athletes get paid so much because there's so few people that can perform at that high of a level that when you have that much being invested, you know, when you have an athlete that you're spending millions of dollars a year on, you for sure are going to invest. It's like having an expensive car. You're going to spend every single, you know, you're going to do everything you possibly can to improve their ability to compete and perform. And the mental aspect has got to be probably the most important aspect that I can think about. So it only makes sense. But yeah, I think, I think we're entering into an age soon where resistance training will be the recommended form of exercise. The gold standard. Yeah, I think that's going to be the one that that doctors are going to start telling elderly people especially rather than saying 30 minutes of vigorous. Oh, it would be a huge win if we could get steer people over more into resistance training versus oh. just walking and, you know, giving this sort of, uh, you know, basic, uh, you know, sort of advice. It'll be it'll be interesting to see what that does, how that impacts our business, you know, it, because where we're at right now and uh, the programs and what we sell and how we monetize. I'm really curious to see if some national news like that will send like a, a flood of people hmm. now searching and uh, out out information regarding that and if we'll actually see an uptick in the business yep. just from well, news like that. Nobody's mm-hmm. made resistance training. Nobody's really made the case for mainstream application of resistance training. Like it's still not... No, like, that, like when most well, let's people- let's be honest. What what we're doing right now, this is part of. So you know, people we had some questions. I was looking at the quality today, like you know, regarding the success of the business, and one of the things that you know why Mind Pump was so successful is we didn't focus on the five to ten percent. We focused on the other ninety percent of the population, is which is because we knew that that was most of the people that we were training and helping. When you look at the space, and and even some of our friends and peers, like that, I, we absolutely love and adore. Like they are their programming and the stuff that they speak to is for a very small demographic of people. It's somebody who is just into powerlifting or just into bodybuilding. It's mm-hmm. like when I look at the thousands of clients that I've trained over the fifteen plus years, I go. How many of those of that have I really trained? Like mm-hmm. they're a very they're they're definitely a minority by by a large oh, amount, two percent. Yeah. So you know nobody was really addressing programming 
for everybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's really, it's really. But geared. it's it's not just programming. It's also just making the case. Like the if the average, right, like right. the average person. I'm talking about the average, average. Well, person. that's because all the what are all the programs guys sell. They're all five day, seven day a week type of programs. And if you're a fucking businessman or woman who has two kids and li- life happens and you don't really care about looking like a cover of a magazine, a program that says five days a week or more right. doesn't sound appealing to but you. But it's even more than that. It's like if you take the average person, the average 45 year old person who doesn't work out or whatever, and they decide, oh, I need to improve my health. I think I'm going to go run or I'm going to go walk. Like those yeah. are the first things that people go towards. You know, in the 1970s, there was a running revolution. There was a book that came out that talked about running and it literally made running mainstream because before that it was not. Dude, here's another reason why you need to watch Anchorman. <laughs> He's like talking to his, his girlfriend. We're going to try this new thing called jogging. <laughs> it's real popular yeah, right I now. You, you just run. I can't, <laughs> I can't believe you haven't watched that, yeah, man. I still have to go watch oh, it. Oh, yeah. No, it's funny because yeah. that was, yeah, exactly. That became like mainstream. Like that's the way to get fit and yeah. in shape. Like that's your- Can we get together? There's the book right there, The Complete Book of Running. That started a trend where um, the average person now decided that if they wanted to work out or get in shape- that they would go running. And I think that that needs to happen or it's starting to happen with resistance training. Resistance training still is not mainstream. Like the average person, when they think, oh, I'm going to go start working out, they don't think I need to go lift weights at all. They think I'm going to get on a treadmill or get on a piece of cardio. Yeah, It's still not mainstream, but it needs to be. And it's funny, I got interviewed earlier um, on uh, Paleo Magazine. Um, the, and Ashley, the interviewer, great, great podcast. She did a phenomenal job. And we got into a little bit of a debate over and discussion over uh, paleo diets and how in the past we've said that, you know, you know, sure, paleo diet's probably healthier for most people, but we're not cave people today. Modern life is different. And, you know, cave people ate bugs and sticks and animals and shit that, you know, tendons and stuff that we don't eat today. So we got into a little bit of debate about it. And so I tried to explain why I think paleo probably generally for most people better, but why it's might not even still be ideal. And one of the main reasons why, and I love I love talking because it helps me get my, this is how I think. And so I think I made a really good point. You know, when you look in the, in the context of, uh, of paleo life or hunter-gatherer life, it's a massive advantage to have a thrifty, efficient, slow metabolism. It's a right. huge advantage. You're moving a lot and you don't have food accessible all over the place. You mm-hmm. want a slower metabolism. That's what right. makes it easier for you to stay alive. If you have a super fast metabolism, you're fucked. Because food is hard to come by and you're you're walking and running and doing all kinds of shit all the time. In modern life, it's the opposite. Having a thrifty, slow, efficient metabolism is a massive disadvantage. Mainly because we don't move a lot and because food is everywhere and it's easily accessible and it's highly palatable. I can have any flavor, any texture, any color, super cheap, uh, you know, processed food whenever I want. So in the context of modern life, you want a faster metabolism. It's the best insurance. It's better for your insulin sensitivity. It's better for burning calories, burning body fat. It gives you better mobility. It counters your, your sedentary lifestyle. You want a faster metabolism. Mm-hmm. And the best way to, fat, to speed up your metabolism is to build muscle. Right. And when we look at the context of building muscle, is the paleo diet the best way to build muscle? No. No, you need some carbohydrates. That's right. Add in some starch. And by the way, individual variances are, of course, uh, notwithstanding. But for the average person, if the if, if you know if they could tolerate or whatever, throwing in some starches, some rice or some potato or whatever, you're going to probably build more strength and more muscle. And as a result of that, have a faster metabolism, which in the context of modern life is a wonderful insurance. 
And so it's an, it, these are these are all the type. You know, this is how we need to discuss these kinds of things. I right. think. And resistance training is just it's the form of exercise that people need to be doing, getting into. And I think it needs to go mainstream. Right. <laughs> If you're looking to maximize your overall muscle and strength, Maps Anabolic is the perfect place to start. With a full 30-day money-back guarantee, there is absolutely zero risk. So what are you waiting for? Go to mindpumpmedia.com and get started today. It's the motherfucking quad. Eagle has landed. First question is from Lindsay One Dove. Which angle for flies and presses is best for a woman who is looking to build the muscles that perk up the boobs? Ooh. You know, so Under this, boob this reminds me of a, of a couple studies that were actually done on a very similar topic. So did you know that wearing bras all the time, support, actually increases the sagginess? Right. It would atrophy oh, the muscles. Right. Atrophy mm-hmm. the muscles that are responsible for holding your boobs up. Makes total sense yeah, to me. Because yeah, because it's like you're wearing something that's preventing those muscles from holding it up, so they just totally get weak. and It's like wearing a cast right. on your arm. Yeah. You know, it's funny. The op- People believe the opposite for a long time and because I think it's because of National Geographic magazines. Like they'd see women, hunter-gatherer women, who are, oh, you know, right. already had children, so they had saggy boobs. They'd be like, oh, you get them... National Geographic boobs or whatever. And so women... You think it's Nat Geo's fault? Yeah. I do. And I think women thought that... I, I, think, I think bras just make everybody's boobs look amazing. When they're so, wrong. Yeah, yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. So I yeah. think that's, really, what, that's yeah. really where it comes from. But yeah, I mean, on to that point, Sal, uh, you know, building the upper chest. You know, Now, why not the lower chest? Well, it's not that not. It's just that building the upper chest is yeah. going to support that more. You know, it's not that like I would tell a client that says that... So if I had a client that specifically said that, which by the way, most of my female clients never came to me and said, I really want to build my pecs. You know, if they ever were interested in chest exercise, it was for this exact reason. They they would say, you know, is there exercises we can do to perk the boobs up? And so much of my training for their chest would be geared around incline, incline flies, incline presses, mm-hmm. a lot of incline work to build that upper chest. And either one, get, give that kind of illusion that their boobs are sitting up higher because you're building you the create a little bit of clev- cleavage at the top right right you create a little bit of cleavage at the top so you create that illusion and like you said to support your point you're building those muscles that help support keep them from sagging right and like to go further into the support of it and like eliminate the the, the bra in a sense by training it and we work on you know like building the muscles where we, we get into the retracted shoulder position and so I'm building great point great point yeah my rhomboids and you know Delts, and I'm really kind of focused on uh, building strength and support to be able to stabilize, you know, that position of presenting the chest up. Yeah, strength, strengthen those 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 mid shoulder blade muscles, right? Get yes. that better posture. There's also a lot of myths around. Still, they still exist today. We get questions. We still get questions like this, where women are afraid to do chest exercises because they they think it's going to make them lose fat. Right. From their boobs, yeah, uh, you know, uh, you lose fat overall. Yeah, spot reducing. What, what ends up, by the way, when you start working out and and you notice your boobs are getting smaller, it's not because you're training your chest; it's because you're getting leaner yeah. overall. Right, and you know your body tends to burn body fat from where you're genetically predisposed to do so. And for many women, the boobs is one of the first places uh, that you know for them, unfortunately, where they'll lose uh, body fat. But you don't, you can't spot reduce. So if you train one part of your body, um, you're not going to burn tons of body fat from that one area you're training. 
It's the systemic effect that yeah, tends to happen. Yeah, fat does not convert into muscle, and muscle does not convert oh, into God, fat. Oh, God, that's right. a big one, dude. It oh, is. Yeah. I can't believe I still need to say that, too. No, I know. People still believe it. Two totally yeah. different tissues. It would be like turning you know, iron into gold. It's like alchemy. You can't. Two totally different you know, tissues. People have tried over centuries. Yeah, they, they <laughs> yeah. did. They spent yeah. a lot of time and money yeah. on that. Um, but yeah, when you work out the muscles of the chest, uh, because they tighten up and strengthen, they will pull things up uh, higher. Also, when you develop the upper chest, like we talked about earlier, you kind of get a little bit of that cleavage in the middle as the pec muscles. And when, here's the thing. like Imagine the opposite, right? Imagine a woman with boobs who has no chest muscles whatsoever. So what you see in the upper chest is like a little bit of ribs mm. and then boobs. It's going to give the appearance of more of a sag because it's super skinny and then boobs at the bottom. When you build up the pecs, besides the fact that those muscles lift up the boobs a little bit anyway – because you have a little bit of that cleavage at the top now because there's some muscle, the illusion now appears that your boobs start higher rather than starting lower. Right. So upper chest is something that you you know, you know definitely want to do. And you know, very few people will I not work out a particular part of the body. The only time I didn't train chest in women was when women had breast augmentation right. and it, was, it, it had caused them to have such bad forward shoulder. Uh-huh. That we would stay away from, which it. is really common. It it's, is. It's actually really, uh, really common. I dated a girl who had uh, uh, breast implants, and she had really bad forward shoulder, and that's all. Like all of her training. In fact, Justin trained her for a while. Mm-hmm. All of her training was geared around her back and retracting and getting it back. And like we did very little stuff of very little pressing in front of her. Yeah, because it because when they put the the implants in, it's under the muscle typically, which pulls the pec muscles forward. So essentially, making them tighter which then pulls the shoulders forward. And of course, after augmentation, you right after the surgery, they put you in this very constrictive bra um, that you have to wear all the time for weeks in the beginning, which is enough time to change how you hold your body and your recruitment patterns. And then after that, many women are encouraged to wear this restrictive bra every night because it it, it encourages the, the implants for, uh, to, to settle rather than rise up in the chest, which is one of the problems with implants. Sometimes they'll come up and then women are unhappy. And so these bras are literally designed to pull your shoulders forward, to keep everything tight forward. So you end up with this really bad forward shoulder issue, which you then usually takes me months uh, to correct. And frozen shoulder goes up quite a bit in this, in this, you know, in this population. But I will say this too, we t- we're talking about incline, but it's also a good idea to do high incline exercises. So typical incline, what's the what's the degrees of incline and regular incline? 45 45 typically. Yeah. So I even have women do 55 degree mm. incline where, you know, some Close benches to like military press. No, nah, it's in between, Not right? In between so like that, it's yeah. in between military and in between incline. So it's a little higher to really hit those upper pec muscles up by the collarbone mm. and to get a really range of, good range of motion. And when you're doing an incline press, I've seen a lot of people do this mistake. When you're doing an incline press, uh, you know, when you do a regular bench press, you know, we teach you to, to tuck your elbows a little bit, keep your chest high, pin your shoulders down and back. And so the bar tends to come down to maybe right above nipple length or maybe right at nipple length. So your elbow's a little bit tucked. When you're at an incline, it, you actually want your elbows to flare out more and you want the bar to come to your collarbone area. Because I've seen people do the elbows tuck thing with an incline and it's actually not the greatest biomechanics. It actually turns into more of a delt exercise at that point. Mm. So especially if you have a high incline, uh, elbows out, good posture, bring it down to the collarbone, and that's going to target those really, really high muscle fibers in the, uh, in the upper chest. Next question is from Kitty Olas. 
Do you guys have a stretching routine? If so, when do you incorporate it into your workout program? That's our prime. Yeah. Yeah. That's what that is. I would, I mean, it's, it, it's weird to call it stretching anymore to me because like stretching, uh, has a different connotation for me now. Uh, I, I tend to just think of it as like priming my central nervous system more than anything. And so it's whatever's beneficial for me, especially for a workout, um, you know, I'm going to make sure that I, I basically get those movements in ahead of time. So, um, it applies, especially when I'm doing a chest day. I think my routine for that, uh, I'm constantly, you know, pinning my shoulders back and retracting my shoulder. And so I'll do movements, uh, with rubber bands or with a stick that's really going to promote that and really prime and fire that central nervous system to respond accordingly. So that's one of my go-tos that and opening up my hips with a 90, 90, um, and then, you know, getting some lateral movement in as well for squats. Mm. Uh, go ahead. Have we talked about how, how stretching can be bad? Have we, how long has it been since we've discussed? We've mentioned it, but I think it's, we should probably bring it up again. Yeah. Because I think that's a, that's a common one that, um, one, I, I didn't know for a very long time. I mean, I think I, was like most other people where you did the generic basic stretches before you went into a lift. Sometimes, I'm shit, I remember early on as a trainer, I would send clients over to the mat to stretch before they would come work out. I mean, just not knowing any better and thinking mm -hmm. that I was helping them and, and doing the right thing and stretching muscles that were tight. And that was my idea and theory. But, you know, later on and, and really understanding the science behind that, like that's not an ideal time to be, stretching somebody especially when you're doing deep holds for 30 seconds yeah, or can, longer you could hurt yourself right. uh, just by stretching and you know there is an optimal length tension relationship that's established you need certain muscles to be tight and ready to respond uh, accordingly with that so it's it's it, like the the common thought of just trying to open up and stretch to like the length uh for your entire body is flawed yeah i, I just to put it in layman's terms okay if you stretch really, really well, static stretching, so old school, you know, hold your, you know, touch your toes, hold the stretch or get into the splits, hold the stretch or whatever. Before you work out, you will effectively increase your range of motion. So you will go into the, to the workout with, you know, maybe two or three more inches of range of motion to what you can do. Now, here's the problem with that. You don't have any strength in that range of motion. Mm -hmm. So now I go work out and I'm squatting, you know, two inches deeper than I would if I didn't do those those long hold type stretches. And the problem with that is, you know, when I get into that final two inches, I lose stability. My, my body doesn't have strength in there mm -hmm. because you can increase range of motion without increasing strength. And I think that's why, you know, we say the connotation has changed is because now the goal is to increase range of motion I have control over, not just increase range of motion. Range of motion you don't have control over is instability and will increase risk of injury. So if I just give you a bunch of range of motion and you go work out and you don't have any control over it and you play in that range of motion with weights, the, the, the odds that you'll hurt yourself go up dramatically. And the studies support this. When they have people do static stretches, uh, they find more muscle tears, more sprains, and more injuries versus when people do what's called a dynamic stretch or just a basic warm-up where they're just getting their body warm or which is superior to all of those things, which is, you know, specific directed priming where you're turning on muscles in a, in a way that allows you to have control over new ranges of motion. When you don't do those things uh, and you go and do static stretching beforehand, you hurt yourself. Here, you know, one of the things I like about resistance training also, and I know I sound like this huge advocate for it, but 
if you do re resistance training properly, you're challenging your ranges of motion with the weights that you're lifting in an appropriate way. And so what I mean by that is like when I get into a squat, I happen to be pretty tight in my lower body. That's, an, that's the part of my body I would say is probably the tightest. Um, and so when I'm squatting, I'm constantly challenging my range of motion with control. So I'll get into my squat. I'll go down as deep as I can where I feel like I have control over and then I'll come up and then I'll go down as deep as I can with control and go up. By the time I get to my second, third and fourth set, I've increased my range of motion throughout the sets, but each time I'm doing it, I'm doing it with control and I'm doing it by, uh, by increasing strength. Yeah, you're gauging it so you could actually feel the threshold That's of, right. of where, you know, it drops. That's right. And so I'm now in, now I'm, it's like I'm effectively stretching, but I'm doing it in a way where, and, by, and, I'm, and when I do this, by the way, I'm not challenging the weight that I'm lifting. So it's not like I'm maxing out and I'm pushing range of motion. I'm literally going, you know, I'm going lighter and then I'm challenging range of motion as I do my sets. And it's, it's effectively uh, a better way of stretching. Um, it's a more basic way of stretching than priming, but it is still more effective than the static way. Right, right. Ideally, what you want to do is you want to prime. So, you know, what does that look like? Uh, here's a good example. Here's a good example. So let's say... Let's say you're going to do some some chest exercises and you have uh, forward shoulder where your shoulders kind of roll forward and maybe they shrug a little bit so you tend to get tight in the upper in the upper neck area and maybe your shoulders tend to bother you sometimes when you work out your chest. So what I'm going to want to do in that situation is I'm going to want to activate and connect to the muscles that oppose that position. So I'm going to try and activate the muscles of my mid back, the muscles that pull the shoulders back and down. Now, when I activate them, does it make them temporarily stronger? Not necessarily. What it's really doing is it's it's helping me feel and connect to them. That's all it's doing, really. I mean, over time, I'm going to get stronger if I keep priming properly, and they're going to effectively get stronger. But in the short term, what I'm doing is, because how many times have you trained a client where like, okay, pinch your shoulders back while you're pressing? They can't even feel right. what the fuck that is. Mm -hmm. But if before I do the press, I get them to do, let's say, a cable row, and I stand behind them and I help them pull, pull their shoulder back and I help them squeeze and activate. Now they know what it feels like. Now when they go to the press, they hold that position better. They do their press, opens up their shoulders, they activate the chest better, and they uh, reduce the risk of injury in their shoulders. And that's a very basic one. You could do this with, with all kinds of movements. You know, 90-90 is fantastic for helping you turn on and activate and connect to yeah. internal and external, external rotation, yeah. rotation in the hips, which is really important. A lot of injuries happen in the squat because someone squats and they don't have that activation and the knees cave in mm -hmm. or they wobble and boom, they hurt their they tear yeah, a meniscus or stabilize it. I don't think it's, I don't think I have done a static stretch or foam roll in a few years now, yeah, I mean, maybe playing around like we're just sitting there watching a show or something like that, and so I'll get down and static stretch because I'm, you know, watching a TV show or some shit, and I just feel tight. But as far as getting at the gym, getting ready for a lift or leaving a lift, like I, I have almost eliminated foam rolling and any sort of static stretching, and mobility has completely replaced all of that, and. I mean, you think of a move like uh, one of my favorites is a lizard with rotation and talk about a great move for both upper and lower body. I mean, you're, you're opening up your hips when you're in the lizard position. You're, the rotation uh, opens up the thoracic. Yeah, you get that T-spine rotation yeah, and everything. You, you get everything. It's such, such a great move that really wakes up all these muscles that you know Sal's talking about that are what we call underactive, right? You just stop 
using them. So you lose kind of this connection to it. And that's all you're doing is you're getting a, getting reconnected with these muscles that are responsible for holding yourself in the right position when you go to do these compound lifts and movements. So, you know, there's I have go-tos. like So lizard with rotation, uh, the 90-90, um, our zone one test from our prime. I literally just repeat the test. I mean, that's a, that's a big one for me. Uh, those are probably my three... Uh, big oh, and then in combat because my ankle mobility—it's mm-hmm. always a limiting factor for me. If I'm not squatting or doing any leg stuff, I'll probably skip that. But if I'm doing a, a full body routine or mm-hmm. I'm training legs that day, 100 percent uh, ankle. Mo- I'm addressing ankle mobility, hip mobility, shoulder mobility, and thoracic mobility. Yeah, those are yeah my- and the more specific you get with that process, like you've identified those things based off of how your body performs in those movements. And so that's why it was so important for us to create a sort of a, you know, a testing uh, protocol for that. So, you know, having three different movements that sort of address a lot of uh, those issues and you could see them visibly or you could feel them uh, you, you know, not being able to, uh, you know, rotate in a certain direction or, or, or bring your shoulders back a certain way. Um, you know, these are things to, to, you know, pay attention to and then understand that um, if I do these other specific priming stretches, uh, if you will, uh, they will like contribute to your overall performance tenfold. Well, this- and I, I, still, I still do some static stretching, but I do it by itself. And I don't do it the the way, the old school way. And so what I mean by that is, first of all, I don't do it before I work out. Sometimes I do it after I work out, but that's totally different. That's because, you know, there's some evidence that shows that statically stretching a pumped or worked out muscle may increase the, uh, the, the, the anabolic signal that we send. In fact, in MAPS Prime, or post-primer sessions, that's where we have static stretches. Right. Is at the end of the workout. Well, even then, yeah, we're trying to intensify those poses. That's right. right. That's, yeah, right. that's so, right. So we're trying to solidify so, the signal. So the way I do static stretches now is I will loosen up, and then I will get in a long stretch and hold it for 30 seconds or 60 seconds. But then at the end, when I have the new range of motion, as I'm holding the stretch, the, the new range of motion, I activate the muscle I'm stretching, yeah. and I activate the opposing muscles, yep. and I activate the muscle. So I literally do reps of in, of intrinsic tension mm-hmm. in the new range of motion, very carefully, of course, because I'm in a compromised position, just so I can connect my CNS to that new range of motion. It's far right. more effective than just stretching. You know why we're why we're talking about prime? Because I was just talking to my cousin the other day, who is part of our marketing team, and I was telling him how I think that the most important program that we ever created was prime and it's unfortunate that it's not our number one seller because if it, if you were to ask any of us what do you think everybody should have mm-hmm. i think we would all agree that prime is definitely the true true foundation i mean maps anabolic is the foundation to our strength training but before you would even get into a strength training program with anybody you would take them through a prime test yeah. and assess them and so uh, you know, if you're somebody asking this question, um, I, I I challenge you to buy the program. I mean, a lot of people don't know this, but you have a you have a 30 day money back guarantee on all of our programs. If you if you buy Prime and you take yourself through the test, and then you start applying the mobility drills and the priming exercises that we give you that are specifically for you, because you could take a test and then it point it has a compass that points you in the direction of the movements you should be doing and you don't feel a significant difference within the first workout or two, return the fucking thing. I guarantee you it's one of those things that if you just apply it, 
you will feel the difference the first workout that you do it. And then after that, you're, you're normally bought into the idea that it's something that you should be doing on a regular basis. Next question is John Wayne Cowboy. If you guys were invited to go on Rogan to debate how to properly work out for different goals, who would you ideally go up against? Who would make you nervous to face? And who would you love to laugh in their face? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't, nece- I wouldn't necessarily want to laugh in anyone's face. Um, I would say this: if I were so to de- pretentious, yeah, if I were to de- <laughs> debate someone uh, on workouts or fitness, I wouldn't go and debate. And this is just because I know my lane. Okay, I-, I can I can talk about you know sports performance training and, and advanced training techniques, and I can discuss them and talk about them quite well. But I'm not going to go and debate uh, an expert in those particular fields. Because uh, my expertise is in training the average person. Well, I think you okay that you could definitely still. I think we still could debate someone like that. The problem is with this question is that I honestly don't think that we would disagree with most of the experts in their field. So take you know some of the smartest guys that are teaching strength training, some of the smartest guys that are teaching powerlifting, the smartest guys that are teaching sports performance. There's not a lot of things that we disagree with them. They're just speaking to a single, a very small community. Yeah, a very small community. Now, where where what where we would challenge them if they were to, but I don't think they would disagree with us. Yeah. which is it doesn't apply. To that doesn't apply people. to Jane or Joe or the average person. Yeah. This is for a an, an athlete, and they're and they're talking about performance. Therefore, this isn't for the masses. Mm-hmm. And I think that. I don't think there would be any debate anywhere. No, no. you know what I would like to debate? There's a challenge, though, that we yeah. can present. Yep. Yeah. I, I would like to debate uh, a, a, an advocate for cardio above all else. Uh, I would love. Yeah, yeah that would I work. would love a runner. Like, yeah, a heart, just a runner who just like no, running is the best. Cardio is the best form of exercise. And I would love to debate to debate strength training against that. Against that, and I would do that all day long. And that's probably the, a, a type of person where we could have a really good debate back and forth. If you had somebody who's out, and I don't know anybody. Do you guys know a, a name of somebody who is like? I'm sure they're out there. And yeah, a huge running advocate, and that's all they they promote is running all the time. Like yeah. whoever, if there was that person, I could see us arguing and debating that person for strength training. Right. But th- there's no experts in our field that I think. At least all the ones that I know, because you look at look at even like uh, Jordan Shallow, Ben Pikulski, um, well, uh Matthews. Um, I mean, you've got a lot of our buddies that write their own programs, yeah. right? And they don't disagree at all with the way we do things, and we don't disagree with how they do things. It's just Ben Pikulski. Who do you think he's talking to? Yeah. He's talking to like ninety percent bodybuilders, and so his programming that he does is fucking brilliant. It's yeah. excellent. It's you know, and same thing with Jordan Shallow. Jordan Shallow is talking to a majority of of powerlifters, and he's absolutely brilliant. And his advice and his programming is absolutely brilliant. We're just we don't we're trying to address the other ninety percent of the world. Like that yeah. was when we started writing our programs. They were and they were geared to. That doesn't mean they're. We don't have people that are athletic, mm. quote unquote. Absolutely, that we have maps performance for that. That's somebody who is like I would say my like myself who you know likes to play basketball every now and then and wakeboard and snowboard. I consider myself a athletic person, but I'm not by any means a competitive football player or a competitive soccer player. Or right. Com- well, and I guess 
if I could, if I could debate somebody or think of so, uh, you know, reason to would be, you know, just just based off of like, and I don't know if this is the case anymore, but if somebody like wholeheartedly believes that, you know, CrossFit is the best modality to you know get somebody ready for a specific sport that's not CrossFit. Oh, so yeah. maybe like a Glassman. Yeah. I don't, I don't like, even know if you would debate that. I don't though. think so either. Yeah. That's the thing. I think he knows that. Yeah, yeah it's like it promotes overall. Uh, you know, attributes no. in terms of like their circuit training is concerned. But, um, you know, one thing I, I do want to say is that like this show, we're trying to present a lot of those different angles, right? So a lot of different pursuits uh, fitness-wise, you know, there's there's crossover with, with sports as well. And we haven't really like touched a lot of the, the different types of sports and like the way you specifically train for those. And so, you know, I'm on the hunt for other coaches that like have a really detailed, uh, methodical uh, program that they address like their athletes and what they put them through. That's, that's legit. And so, I, you know, I'm looking for that. I actually found, you know, so if any of you have heard of, of Nick, Nick Curson, uh, he's somebody I'm trying to bring on the show, uh, speed of sport that, uh, would be a great conversation because it, it isn't the way that we, tra we train mm -hmm. clients. It's, it's different, but I, I like I'd like to present that and show it's important why the reason why. And, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, we have to all understand that, uh, there's, there's, you know, specificity is something well, that we have to consider. It's not that it's not that much more different than the way we talk about nutrition. I mean, we've had the Dom Diagostinos on here, the Terry Walls, the, you know, we even talk about even being vegan for a day or two, like, or if it works for you, that's awesome. Like, there's not a, there's not a modality or a type of nutrition plan that we are advocating for and saying, this is what most people should be doing. It's no, that this show's never been about that. And, and resistance training is no different. Like, we're not saying that I think we've never said like this program is for everyone. If you came to me and you were an NFL player, I would tell you I don't have the program for you. 100%. Like the maybe Prime could and Prime Pro could support a athletic geared program for an NFL football player. Like if you're already at that level, mm -hmm. your training is so specific that we didn't want to train we didn't want to create programs yet for that we wanted to handle the masses first and then as you and you see it happening as we are continuing to release more programs you just saw it was strong strong is now we're starting to narrow it down we're starting to get into like okay if you've gone through some of our foundational programs that we think everybody should basically go through and now you want to get more specific because you're more advanced and you're looking for a more niche type of program well then yeah that strong would be probably the best example of something that we have like that and it could get even more niche than that but it didn't make sense to us as a business to do that so there's no real experts in the field of training that we're going to get in a room with and we're going to be like that is just wrong well that's just I, bad that's bad i mean they wouldn't if they were they yeah. would, as long as like the biomechanics are sound or like the philosophy is sound in that direction most of our philosophy is a collection of all those men right. and women that's what it is. It's it's an ex, it's us reading all of their books over 15 plus years of experience and gathering all their knowledge and taking pieces of it and then learning to apply all of it to the average, average people. Yes. I, I, I would like I, I, like I said I would like to be an advocate for resistance training against or versus other forms of exercise. I think that's the only angle really. I, I would. And then there's look there's there's people with like look Mark Ripto. He just wrote an article where mm -hmm. he basically said unilateral training is a waste of time. Did you ever get a and chance he, to read it though? I did. Oh, you did. Yeah, I did read it and he and he and he tried to make a case for it and I think he's wrong in in that particular sense. Okay, so, so I wouldn't mind debating that one 
particular thing where you know he thinks everything should be done barbell squat deadlift and there's yeah. very little you know benefit from doing a one legged okay. exercise okay that's it. I, I would argue that yeah. I would yeah. love yeah. to argue that yeah, that's sure. fair that's fair and and, it, and I, you know we that would be a debate but really it would be I would love to get people from two different walks of life with working out who are very different the yogi who says no this is the best ultimate mm. form of exercise mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh and the or the listen the, anybody i'm willing to debate i'm willing to debate anybody that says this is the best of anything yeah this is the only yeah, yeah. way yeah. you should be doing I, it. Yeah. But i'm saying I'm, in, in I'm, that I'm, argument if you had to pick which we never say you do right we say it's all good and you should probably do all of it but if you absolutely had to pick one I will debate anybody that resistance training in the context of modern life is the superior form of exercise. It's the one form of exercise everyone should do. It's not the one that everybody should only do, but it's the one form of exercise that you should do if you had to only pick one. And that's the debate that I would have all day long. Right. Next question is Joe Pushner. What moment did you each sit back and say, we made it? Or has that moment even happened? Yeah, I don't even know well, what would that it. what would that be. What did we make? We yeah, made, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I know that hasn't happened yet. And I, I don't, don't know, know there, what that looks like. I do. I think it, there there was a point for me that um, I felt that we had made. Well, first of all, I don't think it's we made it right, but there was definitely a point where um, I felt like okay, this is going to be something much bigger like this is we we are on our way when we first turned the mic on the first day it was a dream more of right it was like this is what we want to do this is where we're hoping to go this is what we're planning to do Mm. um the there has been a feeling of yeah we're doing it maybe that's maybe that's yeah we're doing it is more the the i think the phrase that i think went through my head versus we made it i think I think too recognizing, uh, you know, a lot of our vision, it's, it's like actualizing our vision. So like seeing our vision actually play out, uh, within some of the events we've done and some of the feedback we've gotten from, um, the, you know, the audience. And, um, I think that's just overall, like seeing people's reaction and, um, just seeing certain things sort of more visible, I think that that makes it feel like oh we're making an impact at least. You yeah, know? there's there's some I mean there's some big goals like some major goals. Like, there's, gotta, you know, there's 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 a, there's one for us and then I have my own personal ones. But I think for for us, I think all of us will be happy when the the common mentality surrounding fitness and health is a an appropriate and proper one, which it's not right now. So the common mentality is I'm going to beat the crap out of myself. Um, and he'd follow this crazy diet and I'm going to try and get in shape real quick. And I hate the way I look and I don't like my body and you know, all that kind of stuff. We would like to see it change. We would like to see people go to the gym because they want to take care of themselves. We'd like to see people have a very appropriate attitude with working out where they say, okay, I'm new to this. So I want to start slow. I've educated myself and I know that the important things I do first are, you know, correct imbalances and give myself better movement patterns. I'm going to slowly work on my nutrition because I know it's a major, major hurdle. And so we're going to gradually give myself time to make small changes that stick that they're and they're fundamental changes. I think when that happens and that's the mainstream, like mm-hmm. that's the average person, mm-hmm. I think that's going to be the point where mind pump is going to say, wow, we really fucking, we really helped do that. For personally, for me, I, when I reach a point when I can, when I can do philanthropy or nonprofit and not have to worry about earning 
money, at that point, I'm going to sit back and be like, okay, now I can purely do, uh, you know, what I want to do for the sake of these these things that I want to do, and not have to worry about generating revenue or or, or making money. Not that that's a bad thing, um, but I think at that point, if you're ever in that position where you're like, wow, okay. What do I want to do to, you know, to, to really fulfill me and I don't need to make money doing it? I think that's a cool position to be in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, I'm going to change your phrase from we made it to we're doing it. So because I don't mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll ever say we made it. I don't know if I, that will that statement will ever come out of my mouth or even that thought process of we made it, because I think it will always be mm-hmm. an ongoing journey and process. And even Sal saying that right now. I would challenge him that when he gets to that point, he'll be so energized and focused. You're not done. Yeah, you're not done, right? No, I, <laughs> I don't know. think we have that within us, right? Yeah. So I think I'll, I'll, I'm going to change it to I'm, we're doing it, you know, and and I'll give you some milestones or some moments for me that I re- I remember that were really big, and one of those was uh, reaching number one on iTunes. That was a major milestone of me going like, "Fuck yeah, we're doing it!" Like when when I when we hit the top of health and fitness, uh, so in our space, right, we were considered number one. That was a big deal. And, just now, and to see us consistently always up in the top 10 uh, makes me say we're doing it. So that was a, a major uh, moment for, for us as a team or for me personally uh, when, I, when I felt like that, like, yeah, we're doing this. Uh, another time was not that long ago, because uh, as, as the business has scaled, scaled and grown, we've also added staff and and contractors and people working for us. And so the expenses continue to go up um, almost as fast as the income continues to go up. And so the the pressure of breaking down analytics and and trying to figure out how we're going to pay for this and that, like that's never stopped for me until recently. um, Have I had moments where, um, and this was a big moment for me where I actually don't even look at the numbers like that uh, up until just about three months ago, every single day, multiple times per day, I'm looking at the revenue so I can, you know, feel good about like where we're going. And if we're slowing down or going back the other direction, we're making changes within the business to make sure that we keep it going because we got to keep the lights on and make sure all these people get paid. So we have we have reached a point now where that no, I don't feel that pressure or stress anymore. Like we. Um, had had set ourselves up to where we're in a position where everybody uh, may not be where they want to be completely financially, but everybody is in a, in a place where they feel secure and good. And I don't, so I don't feel that stress anymore. I don't, cause I, I mean, I, and this is just me cause I think of every, all the, all the, all the boys here as family, you know, I carry the burden of making sure everybody feels good about being able to provide for their family and, and getting paid well and doing well and loving what they're doing. And so I think that that point we have reached that. I know that we have more goals and things that we want to go to, but when I found myself not looking at the uh, daily revenue anymore, that was a major moment for me of like, fuck yeah, we're doing it because now it, I, I feel this uh, ability now to not worry about that and to really be able to look at the things in the business that we really care about. Like it's it, you have to pay attention to the revenue because it's what pays the bills and keeps the light on. So that is extremely important, especially as you're building and scaling. But we've now done such a good job at that that there's a lot of things working for us and on autopilot that now allows all of us to say, 
yeah, that's important, but it's no longer the number one priority to make sure we can look at all these other parts of our business and we can take risk. We can say, hey, let's go throw $10,000 at this because we believe in it and we want to see what it will do. And we can start to make those decisions. Like once that, once we got to that place where, you know, we, we, we're not, not doing something because we can't financially do it, that, uh, that was a big moment for me. And we're there right now. So, I mean, and what we just did in Tahoe was a great example of that. I mean, we made zero money from that. That cost us a fuck ton of money to do something like that, but it was something that we all believed in and we wanted to do. That's a really cool place for us to be. And for me, that's like, we're fucking doing it, you know, mm-hmm. and, I, and I've definitely have felt that lately. Excellent. So if you go to mindpumpfree.com, you can get any one of our free guides. Uh, the most current guide that is out is how to develop amazing shoulders. Again, it's mindpumpfree.com. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now, plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.